too. Eggs. Who speaks of blame or of fault anymore? Who, other than those who persist in reading the Old Testament unironically, still has that Old Testament gall? By the time his then-wife had finally stolen out through the escape hatch, he was more or less the man you see before you today. But she left him a tender seven-word note, which did much in subsequent months as it hung, its stylized script beggingly to be lovingly perused in a magnetic plexiglass frame upon Guy's refrigerator, to keep his battered spirits aloft. It read, This has nothing whatever to do with you. He inwardly thanked her for the comforting lie the note contained, even as he hated her for its blistering truth. It had nothing to do with him, because he had done nothing, not at least in any of the various categories which counted on the scorecard of his marriage. But hadn't he warned her, long before the wedding itself, that he was a do-nothing kind of guy? The kind of guy who waited until he was past 40 to make the effort to find a woman who would have him, and whose social life was about as inert as one of the nominally noble xenon, argon, neon gases? But then, of course, wasn't that why she'd allowed him to find, or rather stumble into her, in the first place? Guy had once dreamt, or day-dreamt, of dying young, or to be more scrupulously precise, of not dying old and of thereby achieving posthumous fame, fame for having lived proleptically, of being a man before his time. Not for having done anything as such, but for having had this or that proleptic vision or attitude or inspiration, and of thus being posthumously vindicated by history. By history. By, as some feminist thinkers used to say, his story. An example. Another daydream of Guy's involved dreaming up something called no-fault insurance, which is not to be confused with no-fault insurance. The latter was the precocious offspring of a Viagra-invigorated, deregulated automobile insurance industry, and was based upon the following premise that all policy owners would henceforth claim accidental damages to their vehicles through their own insurance providers, regardless of whom allegedly caused the accident, or who in archaic terminology would have once been described as having been at fault. Indeed, all fender benders were deemed a priori to be no fault, and all claims were to be subsequently, mandatorily recouped from the claimants themselves through premium increases as a matter of course. Such increases obeyed a radiantly such increases obeyed a radiantly beautiful rationality all their own, and this was what inspired Guy's inner feminine principle to give parthenogenetic birth to that most beloved of progeny, his brainchild. Like many before him, though, he first noticed that no fault logic ratcheted its ratchet teeth according to the following syllogism. 1. All insurance premiums are to be calculated solely upon the basis of financial risk to the insurance provider. 2. All accidents are, for insurance purposes, axiomatically no-fault accidents. 3. Because fault is not assigned, risk 
and thus insurance premiums, can only be determined statistically, that is, actuarially. 4. Actuarial studies have proven that drivers involved in one accident are at a higher risk of being involved in subsequent accidents. 5. Drivers more likely to be involved in accidents must pay higher premiums than drivers who have never been involved in an accident. 6. Therefore, nominal accident victims deserve rate increases due to an increased risk of recidivism. 7. In other words, repeat victims were at fault for being victims. 8. Thus, not only does victimhood attain the status of an ontological category, it becomes, for insurance purposes at least, the only remaining blamable one. Guy's brainchild, his inspiration, was to sell insurance for exactly these no-fault situations. If a so-called innocent driver got creamed a couple, even a half-dozen times, by, say, drug-crazed teens, maniacal speed demons, octogenarian incompetents, narcoleptic long-haul truckers, or twinkie-gorging housewives inadvertently testing the G-force limitations of their Chrysler minivans. Then, Guy's insurance scheme would reimburse them for any subsequent conventional insurance rate increases. And this wasn't all, either. Guy's Geistes Produkt would also seek to provide a form of reassurance which was the obverse of the kind of metaphysical comfort that conventional car insurance gave, where the latter attempted to give a feeling of security in the face of unforeseen future chance encounters, but in practice mathematically proved that nothing happened by chance. Guy's no-fault insurance promised the peace of mind that was the byproduct of knowing a. that the universe was not, nay happily could not be, conspiring against you. B. That, even if you had been the victim of, count them, six accidents, it was not in any way your fault. C. That accidents were, in fact, and not just in name only, accidents, i.e. chance occurrences. Naturally, Guy's imaginary business model would quite naturally seek to ensure profitability by bringing the concept of fault back into the equation. It would attempt to keep claim payouts low by seeking a cause for every effect. By establishing that, multiple crash victims were often indeed the guilty party in many of these chance collisions. The unlucky few would be shown often enough to recoup payouts, but not so often as to induce policy-canceling paranoia in the blameless direct debited majority, to be truly, metaphysically as well as financially, culpable. And it would be no trouble at all to get the vast majority of policyholders to go along with it, since, let's face it, it is human nature to find fault with victims, even if no fault is immediately, obviously, to be found. Fact 1. Cancer patients around the world are surreptitiously blamed by their peanut galleries of gossiping loved ones each and every day. Fact two, no one complains when their insurance rates don't rise and no one cares why those rates are not rising. You get the picture. Now, Guy's brainchild was delivered stillborn, of course, like 100% of his other visions and revisions, for the simple reason that he lacked faith. 
not only in his own ability to use his magical free will in order to get things done, but also in the cause and effect nature of the universe, because things just happened to him. They just happened elsewhere also. Moreover, Guy knew that he knew at least one thing, one thing that was for certain, that despite what the note which still hung on his refrigerator said, the this to which his wife had alluded had everything to do with him. He'd been at fault for that accident, and he wasn't about to ever let it happen again.